Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. Welcome to another edition of Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is Robert from Oklahoma with The Narcissist I Know. Robert, thank you so much for joining us. The floor is yours. Thank you very much for inviting me. One of the things I've noticed recently and for some time is in social media and even in a broader segment of society, there's a lot of attention being given to the notion of narcissism and what it means, uh, what a narcissist is, how they do things, and what might be done to protect oneself from the negative aspects of narcissism. And it also seems that in that context, a lot of successful people seem to have narcissistic qualities about them, whether it's in politics or religion, business, other segments of society. To be a top performer quite often involves having narcissistic qualities, which helps one get to that level in those particular fields. And so since it is a popular topic these days, I got to thinking, do I know any narcissist uh, worth consideration, worth talking about? And one person sticks out in my own experience that may be worth discussing with your audience or at least telling the story from my perspective, and I'll try to do that without getting too much into details or too personal, but to give you some idea as to what I think a narcissist looks like in my experience in dealing with him. And it goes back almost as far as I do. He's just a little younger than I am, born in the early 1950s to a father who was a World War II veteran, a mother who was a teacher and activist for the rights of disabled people back in Illinois. And he had two older brothers and a younger sister. Uh, Typical middle class, I guess you would say. Grew up, had an enviable childhood. Was an accomplished Boy Scout. uh, Lifeguard. His father taught him many things about how to get things done, and he spent a lot of time repairing old Volkswagens, and 
during those early years, his family tried any number of uh, religious groups. Did I mention, in this case, the narcissist I'm talking about is in the field of religion. And so his childhood upbringing involved getting some familiarity with a number of religious groups, but ultimately around the age of 16, he became associated with the fundamentalist Baptists, I think as a result of his, one of his older brothers, first association with them. Does this uh, gentleman have a name, Robert? We can call him, uh, let's see, how about let's just call him Kent. Okay, so we have a guy named Kent. He's grown up uh, as a Baptist of some sort, and he is the subject of the narcissism you're speaking of with regards to your story. He is the narcissist, correct? Yes. So I allege. I don't know there's been any official diagnosis, which is the case in most cases that you hear people talking about. Uh, How so, would you well, give, give us the definition of a narcissist, Robert? Just, just off the top of your head. Just off the top of my head, uh, one of the characteristics of a narcissist is to hold tight to beliefs despite overwhelming and evidence to the contrary. This person has exhibited that kind of behavior repeatedly. Uh, I don't have any notes in front of me or any background. Robert, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when I think of a narcissist, I'm thinking of somebody that is all about themselves. They don't really think about anybody but themselves. It's a me, me, me world. Does that standard definition that I'm thinking, does that fit this Kent gentleman? Yes, I think that if you, if you Google narcissist 10 uh, symptoms, you'll find those sorts of things. Uh, very self-centered. Uh, it's all about them, and it's my way or the highway. And uh, one of the cases uh, that struck me has to do with a tax cheater, a somewhat infamous tax cheater who was convicted for certain criminal behavior related thereto. And during his trial, he tried to introduce his actual diagnosis of having narcissistic personality disorder. And at the trial level, they did not let that evidence in. Now, but, why, why would somebody use narcissistic disorder to get out of any tax-related uh, issues, Robert? Well, it was part of his attempted defense. He didn't want to be convicted and go to prison. And so there is something about that that might have given him an out if the jury was persuaded by it. So let, me, so, ask, let me ask you a question. So we have a narcissist that it looks like he's trying to use his narcissism 
as a defense to, I assume, stay out of prison or jail. Correct. But that doesn't seem dangerous to me. If somebody's going to be in jail, why, why, why is that any concern of anybody's, Robert? What makes this gentleman dangerous enough where you think you should mention him uh, in a story? Well, not so much dangerous, but because of what it says about narcissistic personality disorder, his defense, that was part of his defense, which the lower court did not allow to be introduced. So he was convicted, and he appealed his conviction. And at the appeals level, the appeals court reversed the conviction and said, for what it's worth, the jury should have been allowed the opportunity to consider that defense. And what the appeals court noted in part is that in his... Robert. Robert, I apologize. My audience has no idea what we're talking about. You know a narcissist. His name is Kent. What, yes. is the, what is Kent? Who is Kent? How is Kent? Where is he? Tell us who Kent is. Okay. Kent uh, is currently uh, building a compound near Lenox, Alabama, with the th a theme of dinosaurs and four-wheelers, you can ride around in the dirt and see his dinosaurs uh, and his science center and become uh, converted to his fundamentalist, temperamental Baptist religion, if you are so inclined. Okay, so, so now we're getting somewhere. So, Robert, let me ask you this. I'm 44 years old. You're a little bit older than I am. Um, do you recall David Koresh? Yes. Okay. Uh, David Koresh in the Kool-Aid. Yes. No, no, then, no, no. It's Jim Jones had the Kool-Aid. That's David correct. So, would you, was, so when I think of David Koresh, Koresh and the Branch Davidians, and I think of Jim Jones and the Kool-Aid, um, and Jonestown or whatever the name of his uh, little compound was. That's what I think of when I think of compounds. Are you comparing this Kent who's had an IRS issue with these two gentlemen who I think most would consider to be monstrous? Yes. Uh, on some level, the trouble is, you know, Jim Jones because there was like 900 people drank the Kool-Aid and died. You know David Koresh, because there was a standoff with the FBI. There was a big fire, and a lot of people were burned up in the fire. We're on the front end of Kent's story as far as how he fits into that scheme of things. Jim Jones, David Koresh, and others uh, – would, I think, meet that narcissistic definition. And we see where they wound up. Kent is just starting to develop his 145-acre compound. And I say compound deliberately because Kent is an ex-con. He fraternizes with ex-cons. It may even advertise for ex-cons 
people that need a place to go to get away and can help him build his compound uh, under the guise of a tax-exempt organization and of preaching the gospel according to Kent. So at this point, it's quite speculative. But the characteristics many people see, which you can make the analogy between what Kent is doing and how he's doing it, and with what people like Jim Jones, David Koresh, Jim Baker, Jimmy Swagger, and so many others have done in the field of religion. And what 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 makes him special? Are you talking about Kent Hovind by chance? I'm googling some information as you're looking up. Are you talking about the gentleman who owns uh, DAL? Well, it's hard to get anything by you, Jesse. <laughs> is this is this Robert Beatty? Uh oh, yes, it is. And Ken Holbein is the person we're talking about. Robert, uh, you have a Facebook group that. Uh, that you invited me to be friends with, and I did. Um, can you tell the people at home the name of your Facebook group? That group is called Kent Hovind's Worst Nightmare. And it's a play off Kent's own biography, which you can look up on the internet, which is named Kent Hovind, An Atheist's Worst Nightmare. I think my name for my Facebook group is a lot more applicable than Kent's claim to be a nightmare for atheists. I don't know of any atheists too concerned about Kent Hovind, but Kent Hovind seems awfully concerned about me and refuses and has been refusing for years to sit down with me and discuss his legal problems. Robert, why, why should he discuss his legal problems with you? Are you nothing more than just a fan boy of, of, of Kent Hovind's? Um, because you're kind of, Kent Hovind is to you what Donald Trump is to CNN. Without Kent Hovind, there is no Robert Beatty. That's what Kent Hovind says, Robert. What do you say about that? Well, there's lots of lame excuses Kent can come up with, and I'm quite familiar with that. I'm just a knucklehead out here trying to get famous on Kent Hovind's coattails. But if not me, I'm just trying to make myself available. Kent Hovind uh, refuses to sit down with anybody that knows enough about the legal issues of his case and related matters to the extent there's interest and discuss them. And so many times I've heard Kent explain in a different context why it is, the real reason why he doesn't face me. And in those other contexts. Robert, I don't have a horse in this race, but I'm just gonna say it flat out. I think you're a little bit jealous of, of brother uh, Hovind. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Before we do, I want the folks at home to know that if you're in the lovely area of Conica County, Alabama, and you'd like to take your family for a wonderful time and a fun adventure, please check out Dinosaur Adventureland. 
give us a call, 855-244-3466, and bring the whole family down. Admission is free, and we can't wait to see you. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmsted introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. For tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. And welcome back to a place where you've got a friend. Uh, we are here. Uh, talking gossip about Brother Kent Hovind with uh, Robert Beatty. Uh, Beatty has a, a website called Kent Hovind's Worst Nightmare. Robert, uh, let's talk a little bit about definitions. The definition and of the word Hovind means bright. Uh, the definition of the word Beatty means a beating on the buttocks. So don't slap and run here. Tell us why you hate Brother Hovind, Mr. Jealousy. You know, so Kent and his people have typically talked about hate in the context of my feelings about Kent that sometimes I almost start believing it. But I think that's just one of his gimmicks when it comes to critics. I was about to tell you the real reason why Kent doesn't face me. 
which he mentions over and over again when he's explaining why he can't get somebody to face him, uh, some big name atheist or evolutionist. He, he claims they won't face him because they know he's right and they're wrong. Now, I claim that reason is not applicable, but it is applicable to why Kent will not face me. Do you believe that you're related to a mosquito and a banana, Robert? You know, it's curious that Kent and I are both theists, and I happen to think he's got some legitimate complaints against evolutionary theory. And I have my own approach to that. If you have a couple hours or so, maybe on another program, we can discuss that. Uh, I think he has some legitimate complaints, but he doesn't properly develop them or present them. All he wants is half, just half the time, Robert, half the time. If you're afraid to, to, to uh, debate him, I don't blame you. He could beat you with half his brain tied behind his back. What now, Robert? Well, set up the debate, Jesse, and, and we'll take one issue at a time, get half the time, and we'll make some progress in resolving some of these issues that I take exception to Kent's position on. It would be a great opportunity. He lives in Alabama. He has his own five-star resort. You call it a compound. I call it a resort. He's around dozens of young men and young women. They, they make him feel younger. You're jealous. What more can it be? Uh, well, there, there is a bitty, bit of envy there. I'd like to have a 145-acre estate to retire on and have young people running around doing my bidding and keeping the place up. Uh, and there are uh, many aspects of Kent Holine which are uh, enviable. Uh, and Peter J. Riley, who's covered his case for years for Forbes magazine online, has noted this time and time again. The unfortunate situation is Kent has decided to use all those positive characteristics to promote sovereign citizen ideology and uh, creation science that doesn't work and become a professional tax cheater. And he's done that with some success. And because of his narcissistic traits, uh, he's really not any the worse off for it, despite having spent almost nine years in prison. Uh, he's come back bigger and better. He makes the analogy between himself and Job, who also made a grand comeback after being deprived of everything. But the analogy breaks down because Kent is not God's anointed. And you'll hear him and his people often refer to the warning about not trying to go after God's anointed. Well, that's not Kent Hovind. He's never killed anybody. Has anyone ever died in his care? Of course not. 
Well, yes, as a matter of fact, there was one seven-year-old boy that drowned under his supervision uh, in March of 2020. He hasn't been a lifeguard since the 60s. Well, he, he set up the circumstances under which the child would drown, and with the cooperation of the child's father, the drowning took place. There was negligence on the part of the father, I propose, who failed to supervise the child and the four other children. And there was negligence on the part of Kent in the way he designed and operates his compound. Whether there was any criminal activity related to that yet to be seen. Are people allowed to come and go? Yes, they are. Are people, allow, are, are people supposed to give all of their money or a percentage of their money, or are they allowed to stay for free? What's the deal with them coming and going? Well, it would be nice to get a real investigative reporter to do some work on many of those and other questions, because we really don't know all the details. And if you look close enough, I'm sure Kent would uh, clearly draw some distinctions between himself and Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart and uh, Jim Jones and David Koresh. They're not all the same. Uh, around the world, there's plenty of, of cults with varying characteristics. So, You know what they all don't have that Kent Hovind does have, Robert? Kent Hovind has peter23.com and kenthovindisinnocent.com. And if you read those, ladies and gentlemen, you will agree the same way that I do, that Kent Hovind can do no wrong. Robert Beatty is doing nothing more than chasing Kent Hovind's coattails. Robert, admit it. You love Kent. Admit it. Uh, he's given me something to do with my life. I've taken his advice. He often tells people, find something to do and do it. And Kent, for many, many years, has given me purpose uh, and a worthwhile purpose at that. Kent won't tell people what's really going on. I try to help them overcome that ignorance in my own simple sort of way. So let's take this a step further. Jim Jones took uh, people to, well, I forget what country it is, but ultimately he took them down. A senator or a congressman went down there and he never came back. They killed him, right? And then they all took Kool-Aid and committed mass suicide. In the David Koresh compound, which I believe happened in Waco, Texas, when I was a younger man, uh, basically uh, the feds uh, stormed the compound, uh, a fire took blaze, and uh, many people, including children, uh, perished. In this case, there's a child that died on dinosaur adventure land. Um, you even lay blame, at least partially, on the parents themselves for, obviously, it's always your responsibility to watch your child. It sounds like Kent Hovind, to my knowledge, is not seducing men or women into some sort of sexual harem, and it also sounds like he's not charging them an arm and a leg. Is he actually doing something worthwhile and you're trying to bring attention to it? Or uh, can sometimes wolves be in sheep's clothing? Where, where do we go from here? Well, it's kind of interesting that Kent does repeatedly 
advertise for men and women to come to his compound so he can try to match them up and marry them uh, in a religious sort of way, which the state does not recognize, so that they can pretend they're married, and if they get tired of each other, they can just walk away. That seems to be the kind of relationship he has with the current woman he's living with, uh, Cindy Lincoln, who came from California after Kent ran off his second wife without benefit of divorce. So there's not, what happened we just don't first, what know. Happened, what happened to his first wife? You said second and third wife. He's on wife yeah. number three. Did What happened to his first wife? Did she pass away? She's still with us? No, his first wife is living with his son uh, or near his son and other children and grandchildren and having a somewhat normal life. They're all estranged from Kent, as is his surviving brother and sister. Uh, so am I, first... am I safe to assume then that he does not force anybody to be at this compound? That, that might be reasonable. You come at your own will. If you got nowhere else to go, uh, we offer you a place. That, I think, to some extent, provides some leverage as to getting people to do what you want them to do because where are they going to go? But again, the details are sparse because of the secrecy that surrounds the place. Uh, back to his first wife, she maintained her faithfulness to him for 35 years or so, was there when he got out of prison, despite Kent having sent her to prison uh, for a year or so. And yet when he came home, the same person he went to prison as, she said, that's enough of that. You, you're going to have your own bedroom. And Kent said, nope. are we are we sure that that his first wife even exists? Are you speaking of what, what was her name? Joe, Joe, Joe Hovind, right? Because I've seen videos where he says, this is not my wife. This is a picture of her. So for all we know, there's a picture of Joe Hovind that exists. Does the real woman exist? Do you know this for sure, Robert? Yes, I'm pretty sure she exists, and you, you can you can check online and find current pictures of her. Uh, her son has taken care of her well, despite Kent's uh, efforts in dumping her after she divorced him when he came back from prison, an unchanged man, and he manipulated her into that whole thing, as far as I'm concerned, and quickly went out and married a woman named Mary Toko. And he kept her around for a few months and then ran her off without benefit of divorce. And so wound up with this third woman, woman without benefit of marriage, although they pretend like they're marriage, married. Uh, but I've seen no record of it. You are jealous of that one, aren't you, Robert? <laughs> Yeah, if, if only. Uh, or maybe I'm just a chronicler of the Hovind uh, story. Do you hate Kent Hovind, Robert? Is there a little hate there? I mean, does he remind you of somebody maybe that you grew up with that just always got away with stuff? 
to my knowledge, Kent Hovind went to jail for almost a decade. Isn't there a point where you have to say, okay, he's paid his dues, let's let him be? Why, why won't you let uh, Kent Hovind go? Uh, because he won't let go of the issues that are important. And so somebody needs to report it. Kent says, find something to do and do it. So I try to keep up with him. He's pledged the rest of his life uh, to promoting his false legal uh, narrative. And as long as he's doing that, he's giving me job security while complaining that I take advantage of it. Uh, I just happen to be, you know, an old man with a keyboard out here. And Kent has prompted me to consider his case. And I have a report on it for better or worse. Uh, otherwise, Kent, there's no one particularly special uh, in the field of religion. He's hardly noticeable. I'm always amazed because I spend so much time with him that I run across people that still don't know who he is, even people in Alabama, even people in southern Alabama. Uh, so I'm, I'm more likely the one that has made Kent Hovind as famous as he is, and Kent has sought to latch on to my coattails because I get uh, so much free publicity. Kent, if you're listening and you want to come on and thank Robert uh, live on my program, uh, please let me know. My number is 480-553-5719 because obviously you owe Robert uh, everything when it comes to your success, Kent. Robert, one, one word answer, yes or no. Do you hate Kent Hovind? No. Do you like Kent Hovind? In a way. Sounds like love. I think there's <laughs> love going on here. You have an infatuation. There's something about Kent Hovind. You even said he's your reason for living. Um, we all hate giving money to Uncle Sam, Robert. It sounds like he went a good 20, 30 years without giving a dime to Uncle Sam. We're all jealous of that. What did you do back in the day? What, what, what type of work did you do? Did you, did you run a church? What did you do? Well, I was just, I was running opposite of Kent Hovind for 30 years or so. He was evading taxes, and for 30 years or so, I was working for the IRS enforcing tax law. So we're a match made in heaven, you might say. Robert, let me get this straight. You've got contacts with the IRS? You know, I walked away in 2005 and never really looked back. And none of those people from back then have been knocking on my door. So I wouldn't say I have contacts. I worked for them for over 30 years and retired and had a pretty good career. Uh, some, some of that is online, which is kind of rare due to privacy. Robert, if you would have said you still have contacts with the IRS, I would have apologized for my behavior. Since you're not affiliated with them anymore, we're going to take a break. And when we get back, I'm going to really give it to you. Stay tuned. Would you like to host your own radio show? 
Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing, and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career, as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. We are speaking with Robert from Oklahoma. His story is uh, the narcissist I know. I think it should be the guy I have a crush on, Kent Hovind, but it's not. It's the narcissist I know. So, Robert, uh, we've got 15 minutes left. Why should the world know about Kent? Because I know last segment you said you were shocked that people in southern Alabama don't even know about him. Why should people know about him? And what happens to people like Kent when people ignore them? That may be a little above my pay grade, the big questions as to why and all that I find oftentimes hard to to answer definitively. He presents the type of issues that are generally uh, of concern in our uh, society. He is very much a promoter of sovereign citizen ideology for those who are familiar with that uh, type of ideology, whose people are considered domestic terrorists by, or can be considered domestic terrorists by the FBI. There is apt to shoot a law enforcement officer for daring to stop them for speeding, as they are to just think it's cool to drive without a license. Uh, There's a broad spectrum of who those people are. One of the big promoters from Nebraska is in Alabama living with or near Kent now and helping him develop his compound. That's Paul John Hansen, who last I checked is a fugitive from justice out of Nebraska on a warrant, which you can look up out of Douglas County, Nebraska, online 
for a variety of sovereign citizen type vehicle violations. Uh, John Paul John Hansen has bragged he spent over five years himself in jail, a little time here, a little time there, and it doesn't seem to bother him. He's got the narcissistic personality characteristics as well. Robert, um, earlier I brought up that Trump is to CNN what Hovind is to you, but I was kind of poking light at it. The reason that Robert and I wanted to share uh, Kent Hovind's story uh, with the people is because I think Robert is right. I'm actually on Robert's side on this. I think Kent Hovind is doing some stuff that's a little iffy, a little shady, a little not so cool. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that really do defend Kent Hovind. And before you make a choice on if you're going to decide to be on mine and Robert's side or on Kent's side, I think you owe it to maybe do a little homework. And one of the things that you can do is you can check out Robert's site by going to Kent Hovind's Worst uh, Nightmare, or as Robert likes to say it, Kent Hovind's Worst Nightmare. Or you can actually check out Kent Hovind Official on YouTube. Uh, you can go to peter23.com. You can check out Dinosaur Adventureland. Um, and you can kind of get, uh, you can kind of ask Kent yourself. He even urges people to call him. Um, Robert, he is a dangerous individual because the truth is when people like Jim Jones and David Koresh go unchecked, bad things end up happening. Um, I believe that one of the things that probably slowed Kent Hovind down a little bit was the decade or so that he went to jail. Do you agree with me in that? Well, in a sense, it did slow him down. It took him out of commission, but he was uh, apparently using his time wisely, and I'd note that he was in a low-security federal prison, which he oftentimes has described as like being at college in a dormitory. And so he got to do a lot of stuff while he was in prison uh, that prepared him for what he was going to do when he got out. And he hit the ground running and is doing uh, – more than he ever did back in Pensacola, in my opinion, and maybe is all the more dangerous. What's really interesting about this story, and I believe you brought uh, up his son and wife earlier. Now, I believe his wife has always been in the background, so she's not somebody that's very, you know, you're not going to be able to find too many videos of her. Uh, but with regards to Kent's son, is his son named Eric, I believe? Yes, Eric Hoven took over the ministry uh, rehabilitated it and went a little bit different direction, legitimized it. And whether you agree with his theology or not, he's been doing rather well and has been able, from all indications, to do what Kent quit doing, and that is take care of his wife, Eric's mother, and uh, Eric's brother, uh, Andrew, who has some disability issues, and his sister, uh, who may not need it so much, but her and her husband are are working for Eric as well to some extent, as well as doing other things. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at is that in a weird way, Eric is kind of what uh, Kent, his father, would have, could have, and should have been if he had kind of done things the right way. 
Kent kind, kind of comes from the old school of, you know, this is the service I'm providing. This is the money that I'm getting for it. And, you know, government be damned, stay out of my business. <laughs> you do that for a couple of decades, pretty soon you're going to get a million dollar bill from the IRS. And that's that in essence is kind of what happened. It was time to pay up. So uh, Kent went to prison under a structuring charge. Uh, structuring for those that don't know, uh, Robert, uh, you're, you're one of those that kind of knows this best, but basically it's where you withdraw uh, amounts that are close to the area of 10 grand uh, at any one time. Uh, if you withdraw a little bit less than that, but you do multiple transactions, it looks really iffy. And so the bank uh, does have the ability to kind of let the IRS know about iffy transactions. And uh, that's kind of what did Kentoven and originally it kind of looks like money money laundering in, in, in a way, right, Robert? And a lot of times this is what drug dealers do. And so Kent Hoven's defense for that was, hey, I've never done drugs in my life. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you can't uh, be doing something shady with money. Can you real quick, we have a 10 minutes left, but I don't want to spend it all on this, but can you kind of give us a little overview of what Kent did with regards to money in the bank? Uh Yes, the, the legal issues might be better left for detailed analysis later, but uh, he was criminally convicted for 45 counts of structuring, 12 counts of employment tax evasion, and one count of obstructing government agents. Kent has been lying about structuring his big crime, if you want to call it that, for years and years. Basically, the bank is supposed to report certain cash transactions. Uh, those over $10,000. So if you structure your cash transactions in a way to avoid triggering the bank to report them, uh, that's called structuring, a criminal activity. And Kent was doing that. He was running millions of dollars through his bank account. You mentioned money laundering. Not so much money laundering, but he was not wanting the IRS to be tipped off about the millions he was running through his bank. One way to do that is don't make big withdrawals. So he would regularly make withdrawals of under $10,000. And somehow or another, the IRS was notified of that, and that became part of his criminal indictment. And uh, Kent refuses to face up to what structuring is, he lies about it and says, see, I didn't do that. But he lies about what structuring is. That's one of the big issues he won't face me on and deal with. He won't send a champion out to deal with it. Uh, he has Brady Byram claiming he's proved there's no such thing as structuring and nobody can prove him wrong. And maybe that's because Brady won't face anyone. So basically he does have some issues, but he's never going to have to go to prison for these issues because he's already done his time. So now he's out and about and he's starting to get quite a big crowd uh, array, uh, aroused. I believe he has what in the area of 200,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. 160,000 or so. Yeah. Right. So he regularly does uh, stuff on his YouTube channel and he gets a lot of people involved. Um, if he passes away, um, there is going to be a sadness that I have um, because I actually do enjoy his videos. Um, if you can kind of, you know, eat the meat and throw away the bones or so to speak. Do you agree with that statement, Robert? If anything ever happens to Kent Hovind, are you actually going to miss uh, Kent Hovind? Uh, 
yeah, I'll have to think of another career, I guess. Uh, he was talking about possibly having some many strokes recently due to an accident at the place because uh, others had noticed that his mental faculties seemed to have been diminished. And one of his experts told him he might have had some many strokes resulting from some blood clot issues. And maybe that's the case, maybe not. Uh, but we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I don't know what Kent's going to do if something happened to me. Where would he get all his free publicity? Here's the interesting thing about Kent. He did things the wrong way, and now he's always going to have this stigma following him. But he really is super talented. This is me just being real, Robert. I think he's super talented. I think he's probably one of the best salesmen, and I mean this in a positive way that I've ever heard, because he can really motivate people uh, on a huge scale. And I firmly believe that if he would have done what his son did, which is just basically starting out things the right, legitimate way, I think Kent Hovind would be uh, just as big as Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hen and a lot of those people that um, are, are kind of really shady, because I don't really see Kent as bad as that. Um, so I guess that's where you and I might disagree. I see him as a little bit better than a televangelist, right? And not quite as bad as, you know, a Jim Jones or, or somebody like that, because he really strikes me as somebody that, that doesn't necessarily want to physically harm anybody. And I think um, he would be totally against like a mass suicide. So it's so weird. It's almost like I have to put him in a category uh, all to his own. Um, but when it comes with the money that he's earned, I, I, do you agree with me that if he would have done it the right way, he'd be super rich anyway? Well, I don't know about super rich, but his life would certainly have been different. Uh, he has advertised, and it shows in the way he's operated, that consistent with the notion of narcissism, which got us into this discussion, that it's his way or the highway. Joe didn't want to put up with him, and he didn't want to change, and so Joe had to go, his first wife. Mary Taco had some ideas about how they needed to operate their business. Kent would have none of it, and she had to go. She's out of there. A lot of people have come to that compound. They've got crossways with Kent. They had to go. And Kent will tell you, that's, that's just the way it is around here. This is my compound. If you don't like it, get out of here. I'll buy you a bus ticket and go home. Robert, we only have a couple minutes left. I never saw the Tiger King. Do you know what I'm talking about with the Tiger King, this new thing? or I forget. What I saw a lot of the headlines. I never saw the show. Okay, then, then, you're, then, then you're in the same boat as me. But from what I heard... People would watch this show and they would be almost embarrassed how entertained and how addicted they got to the show. And in a weird way, you and I had a Tiger King experience with Kent Hovind um, because the reality is he is super charismatic. And when you start to look at his overall story with Joe, Mary, and now his current wife, his drama with his son, the things he went through in jail, how his first wife had to do a year in jail herself because of him, right? And then when you look at all the people that have left the compound, like you say, and I don't like to use the word compound yet, uh, let a guy be found guilty of being a full-blown, you know, uh, cult leader. And then, well, I guess he is a cult leader, but I'm just saying I don't call it a compound. But I look at the whole story 
And it's super interesting. They could easily make a movie out of it and it would be just as big and popular as the Tiger King. Do you agree? It, it could make an excellent reality show. Uh, and I, there, there is that aspect to it. I, he is quite entertaining at some level. Uh, he's, he's somewhat of a comedian. He, like you say, he's charismatic. Uh, he can be entertaining to watch to keep up with maybe he's got to me and i'm just a little nutty that way but i think you're correct in that analysis uh, unfortunately i don't think he would ever succumb to the deal he'd have to make to get a reality show on some legitimate uh, commercial channel i've had him uh, on a couple of shows before as you know and um I've been on his show before because he ended up recording the show. We had him on and put me on his, but I would love for him to come on and share a story. If he wants to come on and kind of talk a little bit about Robert Beatty, that's fine. If he wants to come on and talk about something else, uh, that would be fine as well. I would love to have him on. Um, I'm one of these people that think that there are good and bad in everybody. And if you constantly look for the bad, and Robert, let's be honest, when it comes to Kent Hovind, you're constantly looking for the bad. I think you're going to constantly find it. And the reverse is true. If you constantly look for good in people, I think you're going to find good in what they do. I'm one of these people that I figure if you spent a decade in jail, you know, I'm going to forgive you for what you've done with regards to going to jail. And it's time to move on and forward. I think Robert's a forgiving person too, but at the same time, if you're slipping back into old habits, I, I think Robert is, is kind of bringing up that point. Robert, we have one minute left. People um, that are too charismatic many times are dangerous. If you had to guess in the future, is this guy gonna end up going to heaven without you know, being too, too dangerous or do you really see him getting worse? You've got about 45 seconds. I think Kent personally will not become violent whether or not any of his uh, supporters or sympathizers do is another matter the reason there was 20 agents with guns that went to arrest him is because he had a thing about guns that he's never gotten over nobody knows what's going on at the compound regarding guns he's into this new end times thing where he's the hero you don't know where that's going to go. Plenty of end times prophets have been around and things didn't turn out so well. So I don't know what the prospects are. As we said earlier, we're on the front end. Robert, I still want to thank you so much for, uh, for visiting. And um, to all the people that listen to the show, please come again next week. We'll have more. Until then, have a great night. you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved. <laughs>